0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Sandy Springs, Georgia, it's time for Sandy Springs Business Radio. Now, here's your host
1: Lee Cantor here with Rachel Simon. This episode of Sandy Springs Business Radio is brought to you by Connect the Dots Digital. When you're ready to leverage LinkedIn to meet your business goals, go to connectthedots.com digital. Rachel, so excited to be part of the show. This is such an important topic. It's so excited to be learning from your guest. Who do we got?
0: Thanks, Lee. Happy to be here and happy Valentine's Day. Well, thank you. (laughs) What a special day. Any gifts? Uh, (laughs) I should have brought some chocolate today. We're really excited. We have Matthew Silverman with us today of Silverman Consulting, which he describes as a not agency. So, What is a not agency?
2: That's a great question. I've worked for some of the big agencies, and they come with a lot of people and a big price tag, and you have to sign up for a full year and all this fun stuff. And a lot of clients don't necessarily want that. They want to get in, do the work, and get out of my way. And that's kind of the way I pitch myself is let me just do the work and leave you alone to run your business.
0: Very interesting. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of what your area of expertise is, your focus, what the kind of work you're doing for your clients?
2: Sure, absolutely. So, my focus is on SEO, which is basically search engine optimization. And it's not just Google, it's also LinkedIn and social media and anything else, even podcasts, to making sure that when someone's searching, you actually show up in the right spot where you want to be. The other part of my services includes digital ads, paid ads. So, that would be Google ads, LinkedIn ads, email marketing. And growth hacking, ABM, all these fancy um, buzzwords, or like whatever it is, I get the leads and sales for you.
0: Well, what's good for me to know is I can call you when I have someone who needs the LinkedIn ad stuff because that is not what I do. Yes, <laughs> we're a good pair on the organic and the paid side. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think with SEO and where where that industry has gone in the last you know 10 years and then where it's going so i mean you've been doing this for a long time like what are some of the trends that you have seen since this all started you know in what 15 years ago maybe
2: i think some of the big trends are that Google's trying to force people to be authentic and real they want real content by real people they're filtering out bad content like if someone is pretending to be a medical doctor, but they don't have the degree, they'll try to filter that stuff out. Um, that happened a couple of years ago. Same with um, financial. If you're not really a CPA and you're giving tax advice, they're going to hopefully filter you out and push you down in the, the search results. Um, nowadays, the concept of AI, that's a big concern. If you go in and then you create AI content, will Google filter out? Will they allow you in? That's TBD. I mean, some... Topics I've seen, there's a lot of AI content, but people don't know that.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about AI today. I feel like every show we've had this year, we have talked about AI because it's just touching every aspect of marketing. Well, really every aspect of sort of our our business practices. But that's interesting about the ability to filter based on real qualifications. Like, how are they determining who is real and who is kind of pretending to have that um, expertise?
2: That's a great question. And Google's not going to tell you. <laughs> so that's, the, that's a tough thing to help people out is to help them understand that the algorithm is not there to read like a book. I mean, we've got some great books on the bookshelf over there about connections and business and doing all the good things you need to do to run a business. But Google's not going to tell you how to display yourself as a professional. Um, there's guidelines, so if you have a medical degree, you need to make sure that you describe where you went to school and where you got the degree from and your fellowships and all that other stuff. As an example, um, a couple of years ago, I worked for one of our local um, big pest control companies, and their biggest complaint was one of their competitors that was not in the pest control business was actually grabbing their search traffic because they were doing a better job at describing medical conditions related to bugs. But my client was not. And the big difference was that their people were medical doctors saying I'm in a medical doctor and blah, 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 whatever it was. And this particular bug looks like this and it causes this issue. And here's my credentials. And I've been working in the field for X number of years. But my client didn't do that.
0: So is, is this coming from like what's on their website? So like all of the blog content and like the uh all of the various, like what's on the different pages describing. What they do, how they do it? I mean, or are they pulling in from other sources? I mean, I'm kind of fascinated by that because I will say in the LinkedIn space, there's a lot of people who say that they're one thing, but they're actually not really necessarily right. Uh, putting out the full true story of who they are as a professional.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's akin to walking into any professional office, like your doctor office. You walk in and there and you expect in the waiting room there's gonna be some type of medical certificate or diploma. You expect the office will look and feel like a medical office. You expect like certain things. And I think the same thing goes for online, especially LinkedIn and also someone's blog. Or website, um, LinkedIn, you want to see a link to where they go to school, where are their credentials, do they have a link back to their exam grades or any other certifications, whatever it is. Blog should be the same. So if you are pretending to be a doctor or are a doctor, whatever it is, you should have a link back to here's your medical school, here's when you graduated, here's your fellowships, here's your specialty, here's all the papers you've written. Um, Like literally prove who you say you are.
0: Using words. That's fascinating.
1: But you also have to prove it um, using those backlinks, right? Like that's part of your proof is that if people of authority are linking to you, that is a signal, maybe, that you are who you say you are.
2: Exactly. Right. And to go with what you're saying about people on LinkedIn, pretend who they are, I've received a number of outreach requests from people that say they went to Stanford. Um, worked at some fancy brand for like a couple of years, and then they want to sell me a franchise. And you start looking at their picture and where they came from. And it's like, no, you didn't go to Stanford. And there's no way for me to verify that someone went to Stanford or not.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, LinkedIn is definitely plays up with the honor system because right. there is really no, you know, schools are not going to verify that this person actually went here. I mean, I've always say this, you know, I, I could say that I went to Harvard and worked at coca-cola for 30 years neither one of those are true but nobody can prove it otherwise yeah just by looking at my profile but there is definitely the honor system um that's and generally what you're describing are those fake profiles that we could have a whole other show about that (laughs) one believe me
2: talking about ai i mean that would be an amazing use of ai like go in there and filter out what are the criteria for real profile and prove it how do you prove that you're human versus a fake person
0: yeah, unfortunately, we're seeing the opposite use of AI, which is, um, how can we build fake profiles with fake AI photos and, um, but now try to sell it, people franchises? Isn't
1: LinkedIn trying to address that at least with that partnership with Clear to yes. have a uh, verified that you are at least who you are named? Yes,
0: <laughs> if you're if users are willing to to do that, I would say that is that verification. If anybody is not sure what we're talking about, where you might see a prompt to verify your account. Um, if you're a Clear user, I would really, really recommend just doing it. Clear already has your information. It's so simple. Like I have Clear and it mm-hmm. took about two minutes to get my right verification done. But some people get real nervous about personal information, even though it's probably all out there.
2: <laughs> it's right. definitely all out there.
1: <laughs> but it's one of those double-edged swords, right? Like you, the consumer wants to know you are who you say you are. So, as a business person, it's in your best interest to, you know, have proof that you are who you say you are to combat all of these people that are who they're not who they say they are. So you have to do something, I think, to elevate yourself amongst among the rest of the people, or else you're just going to be lumped in that pile.
0: Yeah, agree completely. Agree. Um, I want to ask a question about sort of back to the AI and SEO, and I know, um, just from, you know. My husband, other you know, the way I have used AI tools, um, almost as search tools. So, how do you think that that's going to impact SEO moving forward? When you know we're going to ChatGPT or Bard or Claude to ask a question that we would maybe have gone to Google a year ago to do.
2: It's a great question. I think a lot of it's still TBD. Um, I think Google's still trying to figure themselves out, trying to figure out how they fit in the ecosystem, because it used to be customers would have a question and they would go out to Google to answer the question because Google had the knowledge. Now, ChatGPT and all these other places have the knowledge. They're scanning the web, they're creating the connections, they're saying, well, we know all these questions that people are asking and are curious about, we can provide the answers. And I think that Google is trying to figure out the business model of, well, how do we do that? I think naturally people will still go to Google that I think there's going to be a large contingent of people going to ChatGPT or other places to get those answers.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know my behavior has mm-hmm. changed. I use the AI I use is called Perplexity. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. And Perplexity.ai, what they do is they have the sources. So they, they take and aggregate the information and answer your question in a conversational way that AI does. But they also have, here's the sources I use to come up with that. So I can go back to the link to where they pulled some of the information if I want to dig deeper. And I think that that's kind of a way to thread that needle with having that conversational AI thing that humans like to talk to other kind of humans, rather than a listing of potential places where your information can be found.
2: Yeah. I think the thing with Google is that Google has been indexing the web for so long, and they have so many data centers, and they have so much indexed in their system that that's their value at uh, that chat and some of the others don't have because the newcomers can't index everything so quickly it takes time to process all that data and scan the sites and figure out um who's a real doctor who's not why is someone a real doctor who to go to who to trust things like that they're still trying to figure out those algorithms
0: i think it's going to be really interesting to sort of see because i know you know again i think to your point Lee, have like that the ability to Converse with those tools, but if it is giving you sources, then that's going to tie into the the ranking component, right? Because it's like, well, you want your your it, website to, to be, be ranked, one of those to sources, be one of those sources, right? Um,
2: but does that make the answer correct.
0: correct. It depends, <laughs> and that's the
2: problem: is that yeah. if you go onto ChatGPT or Bard or whatever and you ask it a question, you still have to check to see is that answer correct based on what actually is out there? Yeah, because it'll spit out whatever it wants, but not might not be correct.
0: Yeah, I think it's it. The this that this question a year from now, the answer I think will be very interesting to see. Right. How things have progressed, and I think they're going to progress very quickly um, as these tools get smarter, and hopefully, don't take over mm-hmm. the universe. <laughs>
1: Now, getting back to your um, agency or non agency, um, who is that ideal client for you? You mentioned uh, pest control. Is there a niche that you serve or a size that you serve?
2: That's a great question. So it's more of the mentality. Um, I'm looking for to work for grateful clients, clients that um, are looking for an expert, someone to come in, get stuff done, and get out of the way, um, someone on a fractional basis. Um, I've worked with clients across the spectrum, everything from crypto to jewelry, um, business services, B2B Legion, gen. Um, Apple Computer was a client a couple of years ago. So it's it just depends what so it there. could
1: be B2B, B2C, Correct. and it could be any size. Exactly. But is your work typically done for you? So like it's I'm hiring you to do something for me, or is it something where you're teaching me to do this for myself?
2: All the above. It could be I could backfill for an agency or a company. I could teach you how to do something and then you do it. I can teach your team how to do it. I could fill in and do a particular tactic or just take over all of it and handle the, all the marketing.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have something that's like your favorite, you know, of all of those various like things that right? you spot. love the best?
2: I think that sweet spot would be combining all the different things together because I think that if you're looking, talking about AI, there's definitely an AI with the paid search side. And then you combine the knowledge with that with organic. And then you can figure out, well, if there's 10 spots that someone's searching for, whatever it is, like I want pest control. And you're able to take the top spot with paid. And then you're taking the next two spots with organic. Now you've got three out of 10 spots.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, marketing is such a interesting slash challenging area to be in you know a lot of companies have a lot of expectations sometimes those are realistic sometimes maybe not so realistic um you know what do you think as far as like when it comes to marketing you know we're at the beginning of the year like what are some of the where do you think this marketing is headed this year and what are what do you think some of the things businesses need to kind of prioritize
2: based on the news that i'm seeing in linkedin looks like a lot of businesses are trying to figure out well how do we cut costs how do we generate more leads? How do we get in front of more customers? It looks like businesses are trying to spray and pray. They're going out there with content and or ads and they're just hitting everybody over the head with it, even though that, that particular person or segment of people is not right for that business or there won't be a lead. Um, they're working on a numbers game. Um, I think for businesses, what I'm advising a lot of clients is take a step back, figure out who your clients are, and don't go one channel, go omni-channel. I think some old school things are still valid, like direct mail still works, like, and it works really well because you have to see it, touch it, and then throw it out. So psychologically speaking, that name of the business or service goes in your head. Um, and then you follow it up with an email or a digital banner ad or something and now the person's seen you three times four times and it's like, oh yeah well, if I need LinkedIn consulting on the organic side well now I know who to call
0: so it's back to the old fashion of like multiple touches exactly yeah and it's hmm. interesting because that's sort of um you know your om- t- the your point of being omnichannel you know again my my primary focus is working with, Clients on LinkedIn with this idea, sort of to your point of being that multiple touches of just top of mind. Like you just want to be top of mind, right? right. So people like, oh, hmm, I need this. I know somebody who does that. Right. Um,
1: because I think that's the part of marketing that people miss is that just because you're saying, I have this service, you're assuming the person needs your service at that specific moment that you're interacting. Exactly. And you have to be kind of ubiquitous so that you're there all the time because you want to be there when they do need this service. So you can't do this like once and think you're done. This is kind of a, you know, you got to keep pumping the lever to make the water come out constantly. If you want to keep getting a pipeline film. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, a classic example is pretend you're driving down the street and you see a bus and there's a banner ad on the side that says drink Coke. And then there's a bus stop that says drink Coke. And you're reading a newspaper that says drink Coke. And you are listening to a radio commercial that says drink Coke. Or and you, then you're
0: really thirsty. And then you go to lunch and
2: you, what do you order? <laughs> what do you order? I mean, I drink right. a coke. Which is enlightening to think about the past Super Bowl. There was no Coke ads.
0: There weren't. No. Right. Were there Pepsi ads?
1: There was one for starry. Starry. And That's, Dunkin'. Duncan Donuts.
0: So that is so interesting. Right. What I didn't even notice that until you brought it up. So. But,
1: but does that work for b2b as well because we' t- those are b2c kind of interactions like does it work like if I needed an accountant or I need a you know um, a professional service advisor of some kind even somebody like you like um I don't need to marketing uh, maybe I do need marketing help all the time but it's like at certain point there's gonna be a, a thing that comes up that'll be like oh I need marketing help and now I'm gonna hire a marketing helper. You know, like how do you kind of do that in the B2B world? Is it the same strategy as the B2C world?
2: I think B2B it's similar but different. Um so depending on what industry and what you're doing, I think having omni channel definitely makes sense. Um so the companies I've worked with on the B2B side that have done omni channel seem to be able to get more leads better than if they do a single channel and they're trying to put all their eggs in one basket. Um so an example was a couple of years ago, I worked for a promotional products company, and we did an omni-channel win-back campaign where we actually mailed people something. We did an email blast, digital ads, and stuff like that. And it was a 10-to-1 ROI versus I've had other clients that actually just finished an engagement. The client would just focus on LinkedIn. And small little segments, I don't think they had enough impressions of the ads and didn't get enough leads. So they stopped it.
0: Yeah, that's... um that makes a lot of sense to me. I think I, I, I kind of look at it from the relationship point of view. So the idea that, the um, B2B side, like, let's just use, you know, a mar- mar- you need marketing support. So somebody refers you to someone and then you go, yeah, you know what? I've seen that person and I've seen them on LinkedIn or I've seen, I've gotten an email from that person. So it's like that social proof ties in with the, the referral component of it. But, um, I totally agree with, like, I don't think anybody should put sh- everything in one channel. I think that that is way too much pressure for that one channel to handle. Right.
2: And even when you talk about social society on LinkedIn, you have to be present. So you have to generate enough content so that enough people see it. So that if you're looking for accountants or whatever it is, that whoever is creating that content, you're a lawyer or an accountant, you show up for your audience frequently not once a month but like every day every other day
0: yep you definitely have to show up to stay top of mind um so i want to shift gears a little bit to something a little bit sweeter which is tell us about bits of sunshine
2: (laughs) this is great so um pre-covid my wife um got my daughter's baking and my then 13 year old daughter was baking cakes and she's like all right well now we're gonna bake and pay for camp and they've been baking ever since we got our cottage license so we're all legal and we used to buy flour in five pound bags now we buy it in 50 pound bags 150 pounds at a time um sugar we'd buy in five pound bags years ago now it's 25 pounds at a time in very large dog food bins um to keep it all fresh and they bake um Uh, So my eldest is baking custom cakes and cookies and cupcakes and stuff like that. She's ninth grade in high school at Tamima. And my middle spicy lady is um, seventh grade, and she bakes challah bread every week.
0: That is so awesome. What's like the specialty on on the sweet side?
2: People love um, snickerdoodle cookies. Um, That seems to be a big seller. Um, Chocolate chip cookies are big. Um, Chocolate cakes go fast.
1: Oh, fun, yeah, so let's get a little bit in the weeds of the marketing behind it because I'm sure you were involved a little bit in the marketing um uh, advising from a afar, maybe,
2: so the marketing, what I do is make sure that they're present on LinkedIn so that when my eldest turns old enough to actually run it herself, she has a LinkedIn profile that's been going for years. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a gift of, oh, now you actually have a company that's been out there been present for the past x number of years so every time they bake i put a post up there with a photo of here's all the stuff that they're doing and a cake of the day or cookie of the day whatever it is um so last night my eldest actually baked um um a cookie that looked like filter On purpose? Yum? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about it there for a second. She's made some of these like impossible type cookies where it looks like something else, but this one looked like fish
1: Now, but um how do how do they get sales? Like what is there? I'm trying to create a lesson for aspiring bakers or people out there that have a small business. How did they get their first clients? How did they get to the point where that you're now ordering, you know, 50 pounds of flour? Like that doesn't happen. Accidentally. You no, have to it be doesn't. doing taking right. some action to make that happen.
2: So my wife does um, promotions on WhatsApp groups. She's like, that's the sunshine, it's um things to sell, fresh baked cookies and challah bread if anyone's interested and people Is it
1: all work. local? So is it locally uh, based or is this people are ordering from all over the country?
2: It's all local. We don't um ship right now. I think shipping would be a lot more complicated. Um my eldest daughter aspires to be baked by by Melissa um and she ships all over. Um, and that's a great story of how this lady was working for somebody in New York. She got fired and she spoke to her brother and he's like, you're not fired. You're baking your own cookies. And <laughs> right. she bakes these delicious cupcakes and cookies.
1: So so they're, how do they get the product to the, the customer?
2: Delivery or people pick it up.
1: And then it's so it started out organically, like a friend group, like hey, my exactly. kid's doing this, and yep. oh, I want to support that, and I like that, and it's high quality enough for them to have repeat orders. Exactly, <laughs> it's not a one-time thing. Right, and then it just kind of, kind of word of mouth is spread, and you're word do, of mouth, exactly. You're just doing things from a marketing standpoint to encourage word of mouth. Are you uh, doing anything to kind of zhuzh it up in terms of getting more word of mouth, or is it just relying on the community?
2: It's relying on the community. So success is very difficult because there's a limit of how much they can bake. Right. Um, so my daughter can, eldest can typically bake like maybe three cakes a week on a really busy week. Most of the time it's like one cake or maybe like two, three dozen cookies, depending on like how much homework there is. Cause unfortunately school gets in the way. Right. Wow, cool. um, and then the, my little lady, she, I think the most she's done is probably about 15 pounds of um, dough. Um, in a week, which is a lot. It's like three big batches. Right. Once she gets to fifteen pounds, she's like, "I'm done."
0: <laughs> it's a lot of kneading. <laughs> <But. laughs> I just have to say, looking at some of the pictures, this apple cinnamon pull apart challah mm-hmm. looks absolutely amazing. Right? No, it looks, <laughs> And obviously,
1: if you're getting repeat orders, they're doing something right. Right? Exactly. Like, the, like somebody will buy something once to help a you know cause, but to if they're coming back for more, they're obviously onto something here that. You know, you want to encourage as a parent and you want to encourage as a business owner, right? I mean, that's a that's a lesson of business, right? If something's going well, you want to double down on what's winning.
2: Right.
0: That's really fun. I see yeah. Kids Baking Championship. I bet they like that show.
2: <laughs> so my eldest actually applied for that. Oh, um, you did? But there was a lot of roadblocks to get through. They have to go through an interview and it's a pretty extensive application. And you have to know about all these esoteric baking um, techniques, which are very fancy, but no one's really going to use them. Yeah. Except if you're in like a fancy restaurant. Um, so she knew how to bake, but not some of the techniques. So she wasn't couldn't get didn't get through the
1: first round.
0: I think that's really fun. Yeah. She's gonna be real. All of her friends at college are gonna love her and she's <laughs> right. baking things for yes. them.
1: <laughs> and it's a skill that this you they're gonna have for their whole life. Like this is it's a wonderful that's thing awesome. that you're doing for them. Now, is there any actionable tips you can share for our folks listening right now that I want to improve my SEO, especially local SEO. I want to be found. I want to be that go-to thing of whatever niche that I'm in. What are some of the basics that I can do today that could make a positive difference where I show up in search?
2: Yeah, great question. So I would basically refer to my daughter's baking business as an example. Um, Find out where your limit is, what you can do, and stick to that. So if you're a business and you're doing local SEO or LinkedIn, if you can do one post a week, do it. If you can do five posts a week, fantastic, do it. But be consistent. Don't say you can do 30 posts a week, do it for a week, burn out, and then never do it again. I think that's worse. Um, in terms of the quality, I think the quality is important. If you're baking chocolate chip cookies and you're baking one batch or 500 batches, that first cookie or the 5,000th cookie should all taste the same. And I think that's important. Your quality of your content should be high quality, scrappy business, describe what you do, why you do it, how you help people, whatever makes you different, that type of stuff. Um,
1: should you be inserting like your daughter, um, like, should she be saying things like Dunwoody, Sandy Springs, like, really get talk about neighborhoods and things like that in terms of if that's her target area that she wants to sell into? Like, should you be using that kind of language to signal to the search engines? This must be a local thing. This isn't just a chocolate chip cookie, and that could be Rachel Ray or Ina Garden. But this is happening here locally in this market. So it would show up locally if somebody had done what he was looking for.
2: Exactly. So in Google My Business, there's a way you can select your service area, and you need to actually select where you do services. But you do need to follow back and put in your content now servicing XYZ neighborhoods or areas.
1: And then so within a post, you would want to mention that in an elegant, non-fake way, right? You can't exactly. just, they used to call it keyword stuffing where they would yep. hide invisible words that were important to them, but that isn't valid anymore.
2: Right, yeah. And the other bit of advice I tell people is pretend you're a customer. Put on that customer hat, put on the customer clothes, and look at the business to think, if I wanted this particular service or product, what would I want to see? How would I want to see it? how do I make it look good, look at competitors to see what they do? what did their customers' experience look like and then figure out what do you like about all these competitors? what don't you like and make the best of all that?
0: Yeah that, that I mean that makes so much sense and like I completely agree on your consistency point is much better just to do what you can do right and be consistent. Just like I always use the the example of like going to the gym. You, know, you can only go to the gym twice a week. Just make sure you show up twice a week. Just do it. Just do it. Because otherwise, if you miss for four weeks, it's so much harder to get back into it. Like just keep it up and you can always do more, but maintain that consistency. Right. Um, well, this has been a really fun conversation. Matthew, what is the best place for people to find you?
2: Uh, best place is LinkedIn. Um, so I'm one of those weird marketing people that does not have a website yet.
0: <laughs> so, Which is kind of funny. It is funny. So it
2: actually is in draft <laughs> mode, but I just haven't clicked the play button because I don't like the way it looks right now and haven't quite figured out exactly what I want. So and that's okay. Um a lot of my contents on LinkedIn, that's where I share stuff. I try to put value add information there that is helpful to people, non-salesy. Um try to present myself as the digital marketing fiduciary. Um, kind of like akin to financial fiduciary people where they will tell you, well, this is good or this is not good and basically help people not to jump off a cliff if they think the sky's falling and AI is going to take over the world because it's maybe, maybe not. No one really knows.
0: To be determined.
2: Right. <laughs> um,
0: awesome. Well, we will find you on LinkedIn and definitely also follow. It's a sunshine. I already yeah. did. I'm going to... I can always use pictures of cookies in my news feed. You can't get enough of that. No. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really fun conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank you for being part of the show. Uh, You're doing important work and we appreciate you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Rachel Simon. We will see you all next time on Sandy Springs Business Radio.